Welcome to the Others and Brothers Podcast. I'm your co-host Sam Marsh. And I'm your co-host Jacob Marsh. Together, we We are are the Marsh Brothers. Hey everybody, welcome to Brothers and Epic. Others episode three. I'm your co-host Sam Marsh, and I'm happy to welcome back Jacob Marsh. Hey, uh, we got a great episode for you today, guys. We're gonna talk a little bit uh, about one of our all-time favorite sitcoms or sketch comedy shows, uh, written by the wonderful Mr. David Chappelle. Uh, we got some mailbag questions that we're really excited to read off to you. Uh, what else do we got today, Sam? Uh, we'll go over a few more things, but other than that, we hope you all sit back, relax, and enjoy the episode today. Please remember, if you want to be on our next mailbag episode, to either send us an email at brothersmarsh at gmail.com or tweet us at brothers and others and it's just the letter n not and but brothers and others uh, and we'd love to answer it on the next episode other than that enjoy what up though hey jake what's going on not much, just enjoying this change of weather finally. Thank God we made it out of the 30s. Right, that was definitely nice. New Year's was way better than Christmas this year. And uh, obviously, happy to be back on, healthy once again. For relatively, for the most part, I still got that cough that won't go away. Yeah. Yeah, we got a special guest. My son is enjoying his uh, peanut butter snacks that are called Bamba. And he'll definitely be chiming in with his thoughts. Mm-hmm. He's a very vocal. <laughs> and we have Lulu as well. Yeah, the dog. That was her. Go lay down, Lulu. Lulu is a very funny dog. If you've never met her in the fact that you could be petting her and she could be purring uh, just like she was now. And then all of a sudden she just decides that she's had enough and then we'll turn in. Which is totally fine, but yeah, she's hey. very temperamental. Yeah, you gotta be able to tell people your boundaries and she's certainly not afraid of setting her boundaries, but uh, they come out of nowhere sometimes. Mm-hmm. Very true, very true. <laughs> well, Happy New Year to everybody. We're super excited to be back. I'm happy you guys got to hear from Marie last episode. Hopefully we can get her on some more. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, you want to start us off, Samwise? Yeah, uh, we wanted to take a second. We've gotten some user-submitted mail stuff, Ooh. so we thought we'd go with that. Um, first one, who is the West best water polo goalie either of you have ever played with, and why was it Robert Spiegel? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go out on a limb and guess it was probably Spiegel that submitted that as well. Yeah, I, I'll go ahead and guess that one. Yeah, well, I mean, tough to argue with uh, with the question and the answer within the question there. So I guess my answer is Robert Spiegel, you know? Yeah, I think in terms of, like, playing actual season, uh, it's not even close for me that he was the best one ever. Um, I would say why... Uh, I mean, one, he was obviously really good at blocking shots, but I would say part of his secret sauce um, was that he told me he spent a lot of time studying how, like, other people shot so that then he could predict 
based on the shot mechanics. Uh, and to me, that was genius. But that was also when I started to try to work more on faking out my shot right. mechanics so that then I could fake him out. Um, I would say, although he's the best goalie I've ever played with uh, for water polo in a season, um, just shooting on uh, is easily Bertsy when we are in Hungary. Definitely. Um, that was one of the most, like, morally defeating events ever i'm talking 200 shots and maybe scored like two or three best case and that's including like wet shots from two meters because it was one of those things where we spent probably a solid 90 to well it was somewhere between an hour and a half and two hours just shooting with him and what i remember the most about the that particular training session that we had with him was just any time we missed it he wouldn't do a primal scream every time but he would he would make some kind of noise we'd have to swim up and shoot it again and when you've missed 50 60 times in a row and it seems as if you're never going to score yeah like you were saying it's just very morally defeating uh I, yeah, I mean, you just run out of ideas on how to score on him at some point, you know? Yeah. But, yeah, no. Uh, Rob was a great goalie. I always thought one of the, the best things I enjoyed about Rob was that a lot of goalies, they get in their head, and once that happens, they're not able to get back to that baseline level where they can keep their head in the game. So they're not thinking about the last play all the time. And one of the things I always really admired about Rob was that you know, like everyone, we do get in our own heads from time to time, but he never really let it affect him for an entire game. It would usually be a couple possessions and he was good to go. And as a player, exactly, buddy, I know. As a player, yeah, that, 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 that. Exactly. Well said, well said. I don't think what we know. We'll just leave it with that. I think Apollo. I think. Uh, I think you said it very well, bud. Yeah, he summed it up perfectly. He summed it up perfectly. <laughs> um, next one. Uh, hey, Marsh Brothers. I listened to your first episode on your podcast a few days ago, and I really enjoyed it. I can't wait for more to come. Well, thank you. We love listeners that are excited to listen. Um, I have a few questions. If you watch the new Avatar movie, what have you? What do you think of it? And is it better than the first one, if you have seen it? Um, Good question. I have not seen the new one. Um, I'm not sure I really plan on seeing the new one. At least I don't plan on seeing it in theaters. Uh, What about you, Jake? Do you plan on seeing it in theaters? Not in theaters, but I definitely plan on seeing it. I did really enjoy the first Avatar. Uh, To be honest, I was kind of surprised that they were going to do a sequel, but um, it's it's been a very long time since I've seen it. I'm pretty sure I've only watched that movie twice, so it, it has been a while, but I remember enjoying it very, very much when I watched it. Yeah, I think that's the reason why I'm not going to, like, rush to the theaters to see it and just wait for it on streaming. Uh, It came out 13 years ago. I wasn't a huge fan of it. Not that I thought it was bad, but it's not like I got super excited about it when it first came out. So I think that's what makes it hard to get re-excited, especially since it's been 13 years. Yeah, it's a long time in between sequels. 
And at first I thought it was pretty crazy, but then as I was reading more and doing more research on it, the reason being was because James Cameron had this vision of what he wanted to be able to do in terms of motion capture underwater, <coughs> and he had to wait for the technology to catch up and get to the point where he was able to physically do what he had in his mind. That's so incredible. That is pretty amazing. Uh, same thing, even Avatar, he had the idea for it before Titanic it came out but once again he knew technology in the late 90s wasn't to the point where it would do avatar justice and that's why you know it took another 10 years for it to come out in 2009 uh so in that aspect it's tough because i also know that it was meant to be seen in imax theater or at least a theater because of all that cgi special effects uh very grand spectacle experience so um maybe but most likely not i mean i think it'd be worthwhile to see in theaters if you liked it enough it's just one of those things where i have like you said i it's probably it's been at least 10 years since i've seen that movie so i would have to imagine that for me i would have to rewatch the first one hey it's okay buddy i'd have to rewatch the first one and then kind of see how I felt about it before I'd consider going to in theaters, but with how quickly most of the movies come out on streaming services nowadays anyway, um, I usually don't, like, but unless it's a movie I'm really dead set on seeing, I'll just wait till it comes out on streaming. It just makes way more sense, both for time and money. Yeah. Next one. What do you think of the Marvel movies after Avengers Endgame? Such as the storyline, the CGI, and the development of the storyline. To be honest, it's definitely just been steadily downhill, in my opinion, ever since then. Uh, I'm not sure if it is as much to do with the quality (coughs) as the quantity (coughs) and just the war of attrition and finally just being worn down of the storyline. Um you know, even the Love and Thunder, you know, that one took me forever to get around and it, to finally watch it when it had been available for free on streaming for eons. Um, I liked Eternals, but, I mean, it wasn't amazing. Uh, I thought the Doctor Strange multiverse was really good. The Spider-Mans have been really fun. Uh But, yeah, it's just one of those things where it kind of feels like the fifth or fourth season of a TV show that's just kind of gone on for too long at this point. Yeah. Uh, and it's just starting to feel a little bit stale, which is crazy with the amount of content that they're still planning on releasing. Well, I, I'm going to take a little bit of a different approach here. I think the movies have been very meh, but I have been a huge fan of the series that they've been putting out. So Loki, She-Hulk, uh... Falcon and Winter Soldier. I was not uh, the what if around to watching Moon Knight or Hawkeye, and I've heard good reviews about Moon Knight, but She Hulk was. I thought She Hulk was amazing. I think I'm with you though. I'm at the point where, as much as I love the storylines and whatnot, I there are way more. Mm, I I feel like there are a ton of other superhero stories that need to be developed, not just in Marvel, but in DC as well. And I'm at the point where, okay, I saw what you guys did with Marvel. I thought it was fantastic. 
I'm much more focusing on the DC superheroes at this point, and I want to see what they're going to be able to come up with because I'm hoping that they can kind of put their own magic, the directors and creative producers and all these people, they can put their own magic into the DC universe because I feel like outside of the DC animated universe, the movies have fallen short of my expectations, I'd say 90% of the time. Oh, 100%. It was cool to see Dr. Fate uh, in that Black Adam movie. Yeah. I do have high hopes for James Gunn, and I forget the other guy's name that's taken over the cinematic universe for DC along with James Gunn. Yeah. Well, Gunn did it. I mean, he's the one that did Guardians, so you know it's going to be pretty good, at least I think. Yeah. And the Werewolf by Night special Marvel had, that was really good recently. I enjoyed that. Uh, I'm definitely looking forward to the X-Men 97 animated series being rebooted. Oh, yes. That's going to be good. Uh, in terms of the CGI, I know there's been a lot of complaints. I would say for the most part, I get, I, I'm probably too stupid to notice that big of a difference. Certainly maybe sometimes, kind of like... Uh, Dragon Ball Z, when you can notice certain parts of it are rushed and the animation looks sloppy. Mm -hmm. If I take a second, uh, like, and take a step back, I feel like I remember seeing that in some of the more recent Marvel movies, which makes sense, as I know I've read a lot of articles uh, about them pushing and rushing a lot of the VFX studios and them fighting back and going on strike against Marvel. Which is so weird because we're in in and the entertainment atmosphere we're just in the feed me constantly mode and i don't understand what the difference would be waiting an extra month for a movie like thor love and thunder to come out versus getting it out when it came out because speaking from for me personally if i know i'm gonna wait to watch it on the streaming service for whichever one it would be in this case it's disney one month is not going to make or break whether I get upset. Yeah. Um, because, look, all the people that are complaining about, oh, material's not coming out fast enough, they're still going to watch it anyway. They're not going to boycott. Yes, good point, buddy. Yeah. They're not going to boycott Disney over that. At least I don't think so. True. Unless maybe there's some sort of uh, deal with contracts that makes it like, because I know obviously movies get pushed back, rescheduled, and yeah. even canned, like the Batwoman one. But maybe there's also something where if it's not done within a certain time, they get, have to pay a fine. So maybe that's part of the reason they feel like they have to rush it out. I would say currently I would rather get a new season of The Boys every year <coughs> than three Marvel <coughs> movies a year. I, I mean, three a year seems like a lot, considering they could easily put out two a year, and I think they'd be more than fine. Personally. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's three a year. I know the next one coming up is the Ant-Man and Quantumania, mm -hmm. but I'm pretty positive that they have two more coming out this yeah. year. Crazy, man. Yeah. It's a lot. If you had the chance to coach the NFL or NBA, what team would it be? And would you be able to take that team to the Super Bowl or the NBA Finals? Uh, oh I can, my God. I would say no. Neither of us no. could co take a team in either league to the championship. I'll tell you what. 
I could if I hired uh, Greg Popovich as my assistant and I was the head coach in name only and just sat on the bench and was quiet and let him do his thing. Like, if, I, yeah. if you want me to find a loophole to say I could, that's probably the loophole, but no. And for me personally, I would much, if I had the choice, I would much rather coach an NBA team than an NFL team because one, there's less personalities that you have to deal with, okay? Two, the way the NBA is structured it's a lot more free-flowing than the NFL. and the NFL, you don't want to have to rely, and it really depends on the situation where you're coaching, but from my perspective, I would much rather have the ability to coach with the players, which is what it seems like most of the NBA coaches do, whereas in the NFL, you know, if you're not a people person or a rah-rah guy, that means you need to know X's and O's really well, and I can say safely that as much as I love football, my X's and O's are not going to cut it at that level. Yeah. You know? <clears throat> I would just choose NBA because I like basketball more. <coughs> uh, it seems like it would be more fun. And to your point, there's definitely a lot less players, less people. Uh, and you can also have a huge, huge uh, assistant coaching staff to help you make up for your, our deficiencies. Well, and I, I just think in general, too, like... Think about the NBA game, the NBA game schedule. It is grueling, but if you're in a warm weather city, it's, I bet you it's got to be pretty cool, you know? I mean. Yeah, and you're still going to make millions of dollars yeah. a year. Uh, yeah. You know, not tens of millions of dollars like the players, but still, you're going to make good money. Yeah. You'll be set. Uh, who is the best QB in your opinion in the NFL this season? such as accuracy, anticipation, footwork, athleticism, decision-making, or who are the top five best QBs this season? So who's been the best this season? Okay. And then who are the top five? Okay. I'll let you take this one. I would say the best QB this season overall has been Pat Mahomes. You could definitely make an argument for Josh Allen, but he's turned the ball over way more than Pat Mahomes has. And I think overall, this season, Mahomes has been the best QB in the NFL. Uh, Even though the Chiefs as a whole, you know, they have been playing close games against lesser opponents. At the end of the day, a win is a win. His statistics are there right in line with... A top, what a top QB NFL season is going to, or top NFL QB season is going to look like. Top five, I would say Mahomes, Allen, Hurts, Burrow, and probably Herbert in that order. Um, you could flip Burrow and Hurts if you wanted just because Hurts has missed time. But until. Un- well, you didn't watch that game with me. No, you didn't. Uh-uh. No, you didn't. I was going to say, it sounds like Apollo's saying that he thinks Allen should yeah. be number one. Which is fine. Why Could you articulate his feelings a little bit better on why Allen could be argued for number one? Well, I think Allen is a, is a more dynamic playmaker with his legs than Mahomes is. One, he's more difficult to tackle because of his size. I know, I'm getting around to that point. And frankly, uh, you know... I don't think that, while I do think Mahomes is a slightly better passer, I mean, Josh Allen can do anything that Pat Mahomes can do, and the biggest difference between the two of them is that 
Pat Mahomes doesn't turn the ball over as much, but Pat Mahomes cannot run and blow defenders over the way that Allen can. So I think if you were going to make an argument for him, it's that he could potentially have a more dynamic offense around him. Really? Yeah, because what Josh Allen's like six five, six six, right? Yeah, two forty, two thirty. He's a big dude. Yeah. He's tough to tackle. He could play tight end at his size if he really wanted. Put a little muscle on him, definitely. And Pat Mahomes. I mean, Pat Mahomes. You let me finish. Thank you. Love you, buddy. But yeah, I would. I would say that uh, Mahomes is. I mean, they're both extremely dynamic, but. The one thing Allen does have over Mahomes is that he can truck defenders in a way that Mahomes can never do. You know, if you wanted to compare the two, I think Mahomes, there are some throws that he can make that are maybe a little bit out of Allen's range, but it's not by much. So I I would say that's probably the only argument. The reason I picked Mahomes, the biggest thing has just been durability and less turnovers. And ultimately, you know, in the NFL, it is one of the big things that when you're looking in the, in the box score is who's turning the ball over more. And Allen is, I think Matt Ryan has the most interceptions in the NFL this year, but Allen is, he's right there. He's bottom five in terms of number of turnovers this year for QBs. Hey, buddy. We'll put. Uh, we have one more uh, mailbag question, but to be honest, it's definitely one that would require more thought than us just reading it now. So we'll have to let's put this one for table a one podcast. We'll have to table that one. A good, and come it's a good back question, it. though. Yeah. Uh, earlier this week, we went to the USA versus Serbia water polo game. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was USA's A team, but Serbia's. What did you describe it, Jake? It's like a it B plus. I called it their B plus squad. They didn't have all of their studs that played in Tokyo, uh, and that would play. Like if the Olympics were being held this year, they did not have their every single best player they had. Um, right off the bat, they didn't have Filipovic or Mandic, and those are two left-handed guys that they didn't have at all. And, you know, as you can probably attest to this, having two lefties that you can sub in and out of the game, that's huge. And I don't even remember seeing Serbia with a left-handed player in that particular scrimmage. So, um yeah, it makes a yeah. world's difference being able to have lefties in the pool when you're moving the ball around. And I'm sure the U.S. was missing one or two guys. I don't remember who, but I don't remember seeing uh, Vavic, the USC, the former USC coach's son. I don't remember seeing him there, and uh, he's a pretty good player for, for the U.S. team. Um, so I'm sure, you know, they still had all of their starters, all their studs for, for the most part. So, yeah. you know. It's exciting. USA Water Polo is definitely trying to expand their footprint here in the state of Texas. They've been doing Junior Olympics, having like a separate one here the past couple of years in Dallas. And then this was part of a three-team scrimmage series with USA, Serbia, and Spain. Mm-hmm. The first games being over in Louisville, and then these ones being here in Dallas and SMU. Overall, it was an exciting game to watch. Uh, went to OT with USA finally losing in shootout to Serbia. My biggest impression was <coughs> it didn't seem 
either team, although they were taking it, you know, playing hard, it didn't seem they were taking it too seriously just because with the goalie switch at half, that USA's second half goalie definitely lost them the game, as well as they had two players, number 10 and number 12, who seemed a step below skill-wise everybody else in the pool, uh, but yet they received a good chunk of play time. So to me, it kind of felt like, hey, let's try out some new players. Let's see some new lineups, keep it competitive. And if we win, great. But if we lose, we're not going to beat ourselves up over it. And, you know, that's what these tournaments are for. It's tune-ups to see where you stack up against the rest of the world. The U.S. doesn't have a men's professional league, so they don't get the advantages that some of these other countries get where they can see in real time their player development. I know that they have the National League, but to, to try and compare that to any of the European professional leagues, in my opinion, is blasphemous. It's yeah. ridiculous. You cannot compare the two. It's not nearly the same. Even the Australians have a professional league. So until the U.S. gets their own type of competitive league or a team that travels around Europe and plays competitive games – it's going to be difficult for them to have the same kind of top-tier talent development because, uh, you know, the other kind of issue that the United States has is once you're done playing in the NCAA, you're 22-23, you're not even in your prime athletically at that Well, I know. I said that. You're not in your prime athletically, so you, you need more time to develop. And if you have to go to Europe, that's one thing, but... It's not like every European club is clamoring to come over here and scoop up all the American guys. It, it just doesn't work like that. It's, exactly. Uh, well, what would you say? About 27, 28 is when you're about to go into your prime athletically? I think your athletic prime is probably 27 to 30 uh, for water polo, at least. That's kind of what it seems like. But also with technology and basically our better understanding of how the human body works. So rest, recovery, training incorporating that knowledge that people now have a much better understanding of how our bodies work. I'm sure it's probably a little bit longer, but you know, once you're older than say 32, 33, you're not going to be signing with top tier clubs unless you're an absolute legend yeah. at your position, you know? So and it's definitely possible. And to your point, I know I just saw something the other day where uh, LeBron, Katie and Steph had all said that, they want to try and play their into their 40s. So it's definitely happening across all sports with that advancement and technology and health and diet, all that stuff. Mm -hmm. Well, another thing we I recently got into is Survivor, and I finally got you to get into it. Netflix currently has season 18 token chains on it. It's hilarious, awesome. It's one of the last seasons in standard definition, so it's also cool to watch as it feels like it's through watching a time capsule of sort. Definitely. Uh, what have been your thoughts so far? Well, and we talked a little bit about it uh, at work the other day, but when I what I remembered from the very early stages of Survivor back when it first came out and we would sit at home and I'd like watch an episode live or something, I assumed at the time, and obviously, you know, this is almost 20 years ago, I assumed at the time that if you just won all the challenges, that's really what the name of the game was. But the thing that is so mind-boggling to me, and I just because I don't watch it, but 
the interpersonal skills and the mental aspect to Survivor is so much more important than any of the physical challenges that they have to do. 100%. And so you have to be able to navigate those waters so carefully because one slip and you're gone. So the first episode, there's this 50-something-year-old woman, and the first time they show her on the camera, all she's doing is complaining about how, oh, they're going to send me home because of my age, blah, 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 and just went on this tangent and rant about it. And she was right until... One girl started complaining and trying to boss people around, and everybody immediately was like, nope, we're not dealing with this. See ya. Yeah. So so she left. And then this 50-plus-year-old woman has been on, you know, we haven't finished the season yet, or at least I haven't, but uh, she's, you know... I don't know. We're on episode seven or something, and she's still going strong, as far as I as far as I know. So, uh, yeah, it's just it's just been very uh, interesting to see how that that all works. It's definitely the best format of people watching that I've found in my entire life. Ooh, that's a good way it's, to put it. Uh, I mean, it's people watching on steroids, like in their primal form, boiled down. <coughs> this uh, season, particularly, as my two of my favorite players and coach and Tyson who are just both hilarious, and Coach is so full of himself. I mean, one, he has everybody call him Coach because he's a soccer coach in California. Uh, but then he has, like, all these ridiculous stories. Uh, he has, like, a samurai hairdo, and he's a white dude and says that he's the one that started the whole samurai hairdo. He's uh, from Omaha. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And, yeah, to your point, it really is the interpersonal and recognizing that every action is going to have a reaction and you have to figure out how everybody is going to interpret all of your actions as well as trying to interpret their actions and who can you trust at the end of the day. It's very, very fascinating. Yeah, that trustworthy thing is... uh it's just crazy, all those alliances and how they work and stuff. It, 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 uh, it's been very interesting. I've enjoyed it thoroughly, yeah. Thank you again. Yeah, I'm excited for us to get to the end of it. Speaking of TV shows, uh, I believe for our top five this week, we are going to do top five Chappelle show moments. Yes. Or Chappelle show skits, excuse me. Uh, did you make yours? Yes. Did you want to go first? Yeah, or do you wanna... I'll take, I'll take okay. the lead. You go on uh, one to five or five to one? I'm going to go five to one. So Same. number five, Tyrone Biggums for me. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, obviously, he's in multiple skits, but just character-wise, Tyrone Biggums is hey, so... Rogan. Oh, my God. That's he's so funny. He is a crackhead that is... I mean, you know, obviously, he's... Dave is stereotyping what a crackhead is, but... I just love how often he finds a way to insert this guy into all the skits. And it's just always the most ridiculous, outlandish thing. You know, lifting a car up, you think to save a mother, but it's actually to get some crack. Yeah. <laughs> Telling the kids at the school with his little fake microphone boombox thingy how to go get crack. And you see all the kids writing down the directions. Oh, my God. <laughs> Uh, my number five was the making the band skits oh, that yeah. he did. Yeah. Uh, hilarious one because it feels like a true time capsule moment of when Diddy had the making the band show mm-hmm. and how ridiculous that was. 
Uh, but the top five rappers of all time, Dylan, 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 and Dylan, like that's hilarious. Uh, him asking them to like go out and grab all the like random stuff throughout the city. Uh, just absolutely killer. Always has me in stitches every single time I see it. Oh yeah. Um, number four for me was the game show. Uh, I think it was called, uh, what was it? I think oh, it was like, called I Know Black People. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it oh was. Oh my God. <laughs> and just the different kinds of people that they got for it. Like, if you put this on TV today, there's no way it would stay Yeah, because the they had, like, uh, a white guy that was, like, you know, a wannabe rapper-looking <coughs> guy. Uh, they had a white dude that was, like, a professor of Korean African-American studies. Yeah. Um, the white lady that works for, uh, <laughs> uh, what was it, uh... Not child services, but... It was a government government agency. Yeah, yeah. some government job. Uh, Yeah, true hilariousness. Yeah, it was just... To see all of their different answers, and my favorite answer, or my favorite line from that skit is when uh, Dave's asking them about a Big Daddy Kane line, or he's asking him about something, and the professor goes, well, is Big Daddy Kane would say, pimpin' ain't easy. (laughs) Ding, ding, ding. Yeah. That is correct. (laughs) 60-something-year-old man with glasses, like, just, when I see it now, my jaw just hits the floor, like, okay, well, maybe now it's a little bit more reasonable for a... 60-something-year-old man to understand who Big Daddy Kane was and all that, but 20 years ago, not so much. Yeah, I definitely don't think Chappelle's show would get greenlit today. No, uh, They would ask him to definitely tone it down, that's for sure. Yeah. I also think one of the contestants was a white dude that was like a producer on the show. Yes, yes. Uh, <laughs> it wasn't Neil. Yeah, it was Neil, no, wasn't it? No, no, no. Neil is Dave's like really good friend. It was some other dude. And they were talking, they were trying to do the good times line, and he was like, yeah. hey, you little Johnny. Yeah. The actual line was hanging in a chow line. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, my number four was Pop Copy. <coughs> oh, great one. Uh, you want to talk to the manager, V? I am your manager. What's up? <laughs> I wonder if that's ever worked where someone's like, actually, you know what? I am the manager. Would you like Would you like to continue this conversation? I'm sure people do that now. Uh, um, number three for me was the real world house. Ooh. Uh, yeah. Where uh, it was one white guy and then everybody else in the house was black. Yeah. Um, I think for me the funniest was obviously you know the Lysol character. Yeah, that's oh, what it was Lysol. Right. <laughs> I'm saying with Lysol tonight. Oh, okay, all right, whatever. <sighs> Katie. And the dad gets stabbed and loses oh. his girlfriend to Lysol. Ugh, tough Hilarious. Scene. Tough scene. Uh, my number three player haters ball. Ooh. Have to buck nasty the whole crew. Uh, and I think they, is it two different skits? Because I think one's the actual ball, and then the other one is when they, like, travel time back travel. in time. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, both Legendary hilarious. Skit. Yeah. And, they could uh, make a movie out of it, and I would watch that. Oh, 100%. I'd just give, pay, take my money right now. Yeah. I'd immediately Most go. And both uh, the Player Haters <coughs> Ball and Tyrone Bigums, they, when he did his last SNL hosting, he brought both of those characters back. 
but yeah, also R.I.P. Charlie Murphy. But yeah, Buck Nasty, I made this coat out of your mama's pubic hairs. Oh my god. <laughs> Uh, that was my number two. The only okay. thing I wanted to add on that was just if there was a dream rotation of people that would roast you, it would be <laughs> those guys, Patrice O'Neill and Jeff Ross, and you just have them over and just have them kind of inspect your life and then just go absolutely to town on you. I'm sure I would die of humiliation first and then of laughter yeah. afterwards, but yeah. Uh, my number two was the racial draft. Ooh. It's just way too many hilarious moments to count. Uh, the one that I still use to this day is when, uh, I forget, I think it's the, the white delegation pick, uh, white delegation, white delegation picks, Colin Powell! And every time <laughs> I'm at a Mavs game and they put in Dwight Powell, I go, Dwight Powell! Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Um, number one for me, again, ironically, well, not ironically, but, uh, racial draft. Oh, that nice. was my, that is my all time favorite Chappelle show skit. The only reason I didn't put the black, white supremacist in my top five. Clinton Bigsby. Yeah. As hilarious and funny as it is. Um, I don't know. It just. It uh, feels inappropriate for whatever reason. Well, not for whatever reason. It just feels inappropriate, like so inappropriate yeah. that I wouldn't, you know, wouldn't feel comfortable discussing the intricacies of it. But the reason I, and I know this sounds stupid because the racial draft is my number one, so <laughs> duh, like whatever. But the reason I like the racial draft was mostly because the concept of it is just absolutely ridiculous. Like, yeah, and so over the top. Yeah. Much like most of the yeah, skits. Yeah, exactly. But that's what made that show so much fun to watch, especially when we were younger. Yeah. It felt taboo, even though it was on TV. It ignored every boundary. And it's amazing to think, uh, to your point, like that it aired unedited on Comedy Central. Yeah. That's really wild to think. Wild. Wild. <laughs> that was definitely... I would have pegged it as more of an HBO late night type thing. A hundred percent. What'd you have for number one? Uh, mine were Charlie Murphy, True Hollywood Stories. Ooh, uh, both Prince one. and Rick James. I didn't want to separate. I felt like it had to be a combo. Yeah. Uh, but to me, it's the fun, like truly just the funniest thing ever, just because they're actually true. Uh, the reenactments and telling it habitual line stepper, habitual, habitual uh, <laughs> all time. Great show. Shout out to Dave Chappelle. Yeah. Amazing. I know he's got some stuff comedian. going on. Not everybody agrees with what he says, but he is funny. Quote zone. Quote zone. What you got, Samwise? Uh, mine. I'll tell you right away. <laughs> is from a movie once again. I'm not sure if I'll ever do a quote that isn't from a movie. Maybe a TV show. Um, but it is. Ooh, big sexy in the glasses. Uh. <laughs> Eddie, uh, it's got to be Eddie Murphy movie, maybe? No? No. Man. Um, hmm. 
Big sexy in the glasses. <laughs> okay, I give up. It is from Pineapple Express. Oh, damn it. When the cop catches Seth Rogen as Dale Denton, and she's looking at his ID in the cop car and is running it. And he goes, ooh, big sexy in the glasses. <laughs> what an insane... That movie was so funny when it first came out. It has a decent oh, rewatchability, too, you know? Oh, I've seen it... So many times I came. I was gonna say, yeah, I know you like. I would love there to be some way where I could all time count it, but Um, after our first week, I wanted to give you a little bit more of a layup for the quotes on this week. So I, it's a historical figures quote, and it's "Speak softly, but carry a big stick." Teddy Roosevelt. Yeah, there you go. So Teddy Roosevelt, one of the most badass U.S. presidents of all time, absolutely crazy man. He ran for president under multiple political parties, which isn't something you see very often. Uh, Just a very active dude, safaris, the whole nine. He helped uh, found some of the national parks in the U.S., but yeah. And it's just a great life quote. Oh, 100%. Something we talk a lot about is how uh, when you... The, the people that talk the most often have the least to say, so that quote definitely embodies that. It was meant to be more of a deterrence to all the people trying to, all the countries rather, trying to interfere or put South America in their sphere of influence, and this was Teddy's rebuttal basically saying, you know, I'm not going to do a whole lot, but just we're letting you know we're here, this is our area, stay out. Well, and few people actually know that instead of stick, he actually said dildo, but then they changed it (laughs) for history. (laughs) Word of the week. What you got for the word of the week? Uh, Superfluous. Ooh, good one. Uh, Unnecessarily, especially through being more than enough. The customer needs to stop asking super superfluous questions. It's all there on the label. It's a fun word. It's a it's great a mouthful. Word. It is superfluous. Yeah, I was going to say, every, almost every single time I have to slow down to make sure I pronounce it. Correct. Yeah, that's definitely one of those weird ones. The one that I had, um, I said it earlier on the podcast, but uh, temperamental. It's a person that is liable to unreasonable changes of mood and relating to a person's temperament. So temperament is mood. Sometimes it's affiliated with behavior. Uh, and we were using it to describe my dog who um, is very picky from time to time on when she wants to be pet and when she doesn't. Uh, totally fine. Yeah. I certainly respect her individuality in that regard. but And communicating um, her boundaries. She's very temperamental, no doubt yeah. about it. That's yeah. very true. One correction from last week on the pod is I said the quote uh, about porn. Uh, I know it when I see it. That's actually, I said Seinfeld, but what I actually remembered it from is a Parks and Rec episode, which makes sense because apparently it's from a Supreme Court case. Really? Yeah. Um, but the Parks and Rec episode is when the artist does a painting and it has Leslie Nope's tits out. Uh, and then so they're talking about the difference between art and porn. And then it's quoted as like, oh, uh, 
I know it when I see it. Real quick, you could rewatch one of these two television series, and that's the only TV you can watch the rest of your life. The Office or Parks and Rec? Which one are you picking? Ooh, that's... It's the uh, only TV. No sports, no news, no nothing. Office, it has more seasons. Yes, yeah, that's the only reason I picked The Office. The slightly more variability. Yeah, Even 100%. though I've definitely watched The Office more than Parks and Rec, but, you know, after year five, it's not really going to matter. And at that point, you know, I probably would barely watch TV anyway, I guess. Well, and that's what I was going to say. The, those two shows definitely the peak of live television for me. Mm-hmm. I think The Office was really the last one that I was like, oh, can't wait till next week. It's going to come out. Yeah. Definitely. Well, thanks again, Jake. It was a good time, as always. Thanks for coming over, man. Happy we got to do this. Um, Next week, we're going to have a special guest of ours. He is attending the Packers and Lions game this weekend. Flew 3,000 miles? No, 1,300 or 3,000? 3,000. Yeah, it's a pretty long drive from Wisconsin up to Alaska. Yeah. But uh, stay tuned. We'll get some World Cup recap from him. We haven't been able to do that yet. He'll hopefully give us some insight on uh, his experience at Lambeau, and we're looking forward to it. Remember to leave us five-star rating and review wherever you listen to us. Shoot us an email at brothersmars at gmail.com. Other than that, thanks again for listening, and everybody have a great rest of your week. See ya. That's it for the episode this time. I wanted to thank everybody again for stopping on in and giving us a listen. If you have a quick second, remember to drop us a five-star review on wherever you get your podcasts. And I hope you have a great rest of your week, and we'll catch you on the next episode.